0: Kurt Whiteson, and I want to welcome you to the coolest and most informative podcast in the Westfield, Indiana area. What's Up Westfield? What's Up Westfield is a local chat fest to dig deep into politics, development, who's doing what, and anything else we can fit into 45 minutes of fun online. If you have a topic or an interest in being an amazing guest, please reach out to us and we'd love to hear your ideas. My guest today is the power forward of Hamilton County's largest chamber, and what I would consider Central Indiana's most relevant business advocacy group. Today's guest has been a friend of mine for several years, and I would put his character up there with any of the top executives. This is a timely podcast, and hopefully, everyone enjoys it. Please welcome the Jack Russell to the podcast. Sounds good. All right, so Jack, you are you take uh, you get the one zone director job from uh, Mo retires, correct? Yeah, and then you are now the director of One Zone. Where what did you see One's the opportunity for One Zone? Because you had a, a already had a good reach. You have members and money and a, an organization. How do you grow that and build on that? What yep. were your What were your goals?
1: So my first day as president uh, was March of 2020. So that my first day was when we all went home uh, during the pandemic. And, <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yes. And, and that was my okay, first day okay. was through okay. a Zoom call with the team. I had a team of three at the time mm-hmm. and we sat there and it was a unique experience because that was a game changer for us because as I said a little bit ago, it was, we were always looked at as, well, they're really successful because 600 people go to a lunch. Well, when yeah. that goes away, what is your value add and where do you find, where are your members going to find value within your organization? Mm-hmm. And for us, um, the first day we took all 1,200 members and we divided them up between the four of us. We called 1,200 businesses asking, how are you? What do you need? What is going on? And overnight, we became this resource of what's going on with PPP and and can my business be opened or closed? And how do I reopen my business? And so within those, what felt like 10 years of time, but within six months, we were the resource of, hey, here's how you get PPP funding. Here's the resources you need for this. So we had to know everything on the fly. And keep in mind that for those three for three of those months, we're all working from home. And I love my wife, and I had a little baby at the time. But when she's like, "Hey, who are you talking to?" and I'm going, "Mayor Fatness," <laughs> hold on one second. Now, you learned a lot about your relationship too. But I all do right. think that, um, that was that pivotal moment in one zone where we had the chance through that because we didn't do another event until May of 21. So for a year and a half, we did zero events. Now we did virtual stuff, but no in-person uh-huh. events. But that gave us the ability to really begin to shape what we are doing the advocacy work. That's what we were doing for a year and a half. We were educating people on how to figure things out. And we were being really strong connectors of, hey, my business is struggling with this. I need that. But it was a different form of that, right? It wasn't a networking breakfast. I wasn't serving chicken. I wasn't those things. It was grassroots down in the trenches trying to be with your businesses. And at the end of the day, I wasn't even doing P&L sheets. I was like, if people are paying us, great. If they're not paying us, I really don't care. Our job is to take care of them. And I think because of that time, we have very loyal members that said, hey, I remember, we're three years past that, right? But they remember the times when I'm on the phone with them, our landscaping companies. They're trying to figure out if they can open or not. I'm calling the state. The first number says, yeah, they can open. The second one says no. The third one says no. The fourth one says yes. There's this inconsistency. So then we're calling our lobbyists, calling uh, Governor Holcomb's office saying, hey, your uh, customer service line is not working. You've got to figure this out. And that's where we were using our advocacy and our voice to make an impact. And so- You know,
0: really it was, you kind of got lucky that you couldn't have the big events because that took a lot of your resources, organizing and time. And you probably, if you could have still had your events, not been able to focus on, Yep. The advocacy, like you did, that that was actually kind of cool. a blessing in disguise. And,
1: and actually, we've transformed. So we are less of an event house than most. Uh, we yeah. still do 80 events a year. But prior to the pandemic, we were doing 135 events a year. Mm-hmm. And it's just not acceptable. We have to have the time to be strategic on our programming, our initiatives, and then really listen and have those resources available for the advocacy piece of it and the education piece of it.
0: What is a misconception when you when you were calling people and on the phone with them, talking about how you can help them, and not even just COVID related, um, just business in general? What's a misconception or something that they people just don't understand about the chamber or ha- have a hard time grasping that you guys perform or do?
1: I think they were shocked that we were calling, and uh-huh. we weren't asking. I think they were shocked. Number one, because we weren't asking for money. Uh I think there's a perception sometimes as well the only time the chamber calls me is when my renewal's up yeah Um, I think that's number one and number two was I wasn't inviting them to an event I was actually asking them about their business how Uh it was going how their people were doing how the things that are going on and that culture has remained since the pandemic to today when we call we do a we do a six-month follow-up we do a three-month follow-up the only time so that that by the time you join to the by the time you renew, you're hearing from us about four to five times, just asking, what are resources? Are we hitting the mark on things that you want us to be able to accomplish? What are things we're not doing that you think we should be doing? So that before that renewal check even comes, they know the person on the phone, they actually have a face with a name kind of, you know what I'm saying? So I think that's been, that's something we we continue to do that really came out of the 2020 um, that we still do to this day that has That is a reason why our renewal rates are at 85, 90% of our renewals. So-
0: Where do people, so you get cancellations, obviously business is closed, people retire. Uh, Where are places that reasons people are canceling or undervaluing the chamber or one zone?
1: I think it's the engagement piece. And that's where we have to do a better job of vetting and seeing If, if somebody wants a ribbon cutting, that's great. Let's do a ribbon cutting and then move on with it. And I think that's a hard thing that even from a business side, is not everybody is a good fit for a chamber. And that's hard to say, because everybody uh-huh. you know, everybody wants to say like, everybody should join the chamber. Everybody's great, yeah. which is fine. But if you're just starting your business and, and we can be a resource even when you're not a member, but if you're not ready, that's okay. But it's okay to say no. As we always say in our office, no mm-hmm. is a complete sentence. So mm-hmm. it's okay if you're not ready. But I think more importantly, if you're not able to engage a little bit in the things that we do, I th- and then, then then that's where they don't see the value. So in mm-hmm. a lot of times when they don't renew it's, they've not even attended an event. So, w- or, you know, I don't have time or different things like that and that's okay. We always tell them that's okay mm-hmm. but in order to really, and that's why our, our upfront on the sales side is so important. What, is, what, is, what are some key factors in your business? What are your pain points? Because our job is not to sell the membership. Our mm-hmm. job is to listen to the the business, what are their needs and wants, and then make sure that we give them the game plan. I I mm-hmm. kind of joke with the team that, we are the professionals of being able to connect businesses. So, uh, you know, if your toilet breaks, you call a plumber, right? So mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it's our job that if they walk in they say, I'm going to give you $2,500. Well, uh, have you opened your storefront? No. Have you hired employees yet? No. Have you done these things? No. Why don't we start at $365 mm-hmm. and see if you can find value in it and then we'll grow you into what you want to be. And I think that's,
0: yeah. um, a lot harder to, to get to sometimes is, um, do you think the customer is evolving or the one zones are evolving? For I think the customer
1: is evolving, and I think mm-hmm. chambers, you're going to start to see chambers be able to adapt or die, and quite frankly, um, I think there's a difference between a cause and a club, and so people don't join cl- clubs anymore, they join causes, and I think even when you look at large employers, they are very selective now of where they're spending their dollars, and yeah. if you're not providing those advocacy, those education values, those pieces, they are okay with you not, like, doing a luncheon is fine, right? Mm-hmm. But now they're saying, hey, we're trying to grow our business. Where strategically should we go? Who should we know? Who are the people? Um, mm-hmm. Who are the city councilors? Who's the mayor? How do I get access to these people? And so access now, especially for large employers, has been huge. But if you're not able to provide those values in a short period of window or a short period of time, that's where I think chambers are, if they just don't adapt, if they're gonna to continue to serve chicken, if they're gonna to continue to um, do the parades, if they're gonna to continue to do those type of things, at some point they're no longer gonna be needed because yeah. the services are gonna be able to re, like, just fill that on
0: its own. So you, when when you, was the one zone when you took over Fishers also? Yes, yep. okay. So, do you see a difference in communities' needs from the one zone director? Is Carmel ask Carmel businesses asking for different things than Fisher businesses?
1: Um, the overarching piece is no, like you know uh-huh. HR issues, those type of things. But I think from a community standpoint, yeah, mm-hmm. I think you have very two very different communities. You have um, really Carmel established. And really, the unique piece of Carmel right now is it's getting ready to start its new chapter, new mayor, seven new city councilors. And so my role in that is uh, a little bit of uh, communication mixed with maybe um, some therapy, but like mixture, mixture of a little (laughs) bit of that, like, just, hey, everything's going to be okay. Hey, we're working on this. Hey, we're working on that. And Carmel's really beginning that, that second phase of there's no, they're landlocked. There's no more land. So now we're building taller. We're building more. And we're trying to educate people on hey, look, some of these things are not bad things at all. We're we're we have 130 headquarters. On the uh, fisher side, you're seeing substantial growth. Mayor Fadness on, even in just the past year, over a billion dollars in economic development. I mean, Unbelievable. just us in the past, us as an organization have has support we've supported $2.6 billion of economic development in the past year. 2.6 billion with a B. Billion. It's amazing. Um, and that's what that is where, to your question, our cities are moving at a high level at a high pace attracting high level individuals high level uh, businesses, and if the chamber is not stepping in stride, then we are five steps behind, and we no yeah. longer provide that value. And that is where well, and has to be very clear, we're not a city entity. We are a great voice for businesses to be able to connect. And so there's a reason why I'm meeting with Mayor Fadness, meeting with Megan Baumgartner, meeting with Nancy Heck on the Carmel side, meeting with Mayor Brainerd, meeting with Henry Mestetsky. We've got to know what these projects are going on, how they're going to be approached. Um, where can we be helpful and where do we have a voice in it? Does the business community want this or not want it? But we've got to be at the table because if we're not at the table, we're on the menu and we don't want to be that. So that's so where we want.
0: When you took over, at, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, um, no, no. I had, I had a shiny thought there. Uh, when you when you started, Jack, as a, uh, um, when you took over for Mo, everyone, she was at the table. Uh, did you have a hard time getting into the conversation or was, uh, had you, had you gotten there? How were your relationships with the yes. cities?
1: Day one, it was, it was, we were just stepping in stride. It was continuing to move it. I think a little bit of it was the uniqueness as well of what, when I became president, was yeah. the city relying on us as we were doing things. Mm-hmm. But the relationship now is, uh, you know, we we've supported the food and beverage tax, the nuisance ordinance, We've looked at the comp plan. We're working on the Conner Prairie project. I mean, uh, without having a with without having a um, department of economic development within our department within our organization, which a lot mm-hmm. of large chambers like us do, yeah, we have really that ability to business retention expansion. Hey, if you're struggling with you only have fifteen hundred square feet and you need more, here's how we can mm-hmm. be helpful, especially on the Carmel side. So. Uh, yeah. We're playing a unique role that probably we never have played before, but it makes us relevant to the communities that we serve. So that's what's so been helpful.
0: Let's, let's talk about being in the room at the table as a chamber, because I think a lot of times chambers, um, they don't do any, themselves any favors. They separate themselves from the political conversation. Now, I know you don't sit there and pick it for someone, you know, to to win, but How are you able to maintain a relationship with the politicians and keep them connected but still independent in those communities because it's very uh it's polarized now and it's everybody talks about that stuff how are you able to stay somewhat neutral in those rooms
1: i think the biggest reason why we're so neutral is because we're focused on the issue and we're focused on the the project or the policy and so for me and i will say on the carmel and Fisher side We are very, very lucky in Carmel Fishers. We have some great city councilors and two great mayors Mm -hmm. that are true servant leaders, in my opinion, that are focused on the projects. They want to get it right. Now, we may not like, sometimes the process is a little longer than we would like. Sometimes it's a little bit that, but it's always respectful. It's always around the common good. It's always about listening to people. It's always, and when you create that incubator of let's put a project in let's really ad- identify it does it make sense does it work for us uh, and that's where we come in and be that voice sometimes for for city councilors to say you know hey we really support this project hey here's another 10 businesses that really think this is a good idea um, we can be able like the nuisance ordinance as an example it's unique that business communities get excited about a nuisance ordinance because you're thinking to yourself yeah. businesses would be upset about it no businesses actually have done the opposite. Well, this is great because now I have a point of contact to the city that's not a government entity that's just gonna find me for when something goes wrong, but actually yeah. wants to help me. And so that's where we can be that connector and convener, but we are constantly moving and we're trying to constantly do those things. And that's where we become relevant, where a business can call us and say, hey, what's being built there? Or, hey, I need uh, this. Or, hey, there's a traffic cone in my way. Like what's going on here? And we can relay that. Um, we had a business Traffic we had code. a trail, we had a trail problem where a road stopped and a trail went over, they have the nickel plate. Well, cars uh-huh. were going for the trail, so immediately we we're like, so businesses were like, Hey, people are driving over the trail to a to a road that doesn't exist, and so we uh-huh. really able work with the city to do that. So, but businesses feel like they can call us yeah. to solve problems. And when you become the problem solver for businesses, that $365. It's, it's not about the chicken. It's about yeah. I have access and I have the ability to make an impact in my community. And that's why we exist and that why we continue to grow and be successful.
0: So um, as a as one zone, not specific like communities and stuff, but where do you see a large chamber uh, being in the, its relevance in the next five, 10, 20 years? Uh, do you think it's It becomes even more of that a specific connecting connection hub, or does it become a larger city marketing thing? What what do you see it becoming over in the short and long term?
1: I think uh, definitely depends on your region, kind of where you're located. We are lucky enough to have some amazing leaders, cities. Um, You just look at like tourism as an example; They, they do a fantastic job. So, where's our role really? that connecting, that networking, that putting that piece together. But I think to kind of go from a macro perspective of where chambers are going to be, we're seeing over the, we're seeing all over the state of Indiana and really throughout the United States of merging chambers in, in and in, in enlarging your reach. And I think that's where, you, I think that's just naturally what's going to happen. And so yeah. when we merged with, with Northern Hamilton County, I know you've had Tanya on, when I hired yeah. Tanya, who has been a rock star for us. Yeah. Um, the, you know, that took me five and a half years to put that that together. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't around, and we finally ended up at a really, really good spot. But for the northern part of the county, very, very rural areas, to be able to say, yes, I want to merge with one zone, which is 200,000 population growing communities, mm-hmm. uh, that's not nothing. We, we've gotten some pretty national uh, attention with that from a chamber yeah. uh, because we've created this ability and platform. But the responses from our small members, our smaller chamber or small businesses has really been, so you're telling me I pay one set of dues and I get to interact with both a smaller city town uh, chamber, but I also get the benefits of a big chamber. Yes. Mm -hmm. Here you go. Here's my money. And I think naturally that's what's happening is people that are in certain counties where they have to pay five or six dues are just looking and going, yeah, I'm just going to pay one or two yeah. and you can't do that anymore. And businesses with inflation and trying to hire people and those type of things. Um, Longer the days where you had 12 bankers that were able to show up because they had all these people and all these these this time yeah. and they don't have that anymore. So their so time one,
0: is of, one, of I think you executed or Tanya executed the Northern Hamilton County Chamber of Commerce merger thing because I think um, executed very well because. There is, it could have been where we're just a member and we just get shuffled into your stuff at one mm-hmm. zone, but there's really no connection. But you've got Tanya working in those three, is it three or four, three communities, four, four communities, um, really on the ground and building relationships. So now I can contact her for my Sheridan, Cicero, Atlanta, and Arcadia problems or yep. questions or connections and she's there instead of a you you're you're not connected to those communities necessarily and so but she can reach out to you for those re- big resources like networking and and marketing you know, and things have like a that good
1: balance so with tanya so uh, once i finished the merger tanya was the first person i called to do uh-huh. it because of her background experience especially in rural indiana the uniqueness yeah. for us was with this merger was i'm fourth generation northern hamilton county so the things that she didn't know was fine because like, especially as you know, uh, with Sheridan and those type of communities, well, you know, that's, you know, that's Rick's sons, nephews, dog. Yeah. Like that's just kind of how it is. Right. So uh-huh. we already, I already had those relationships in place where uh-huh. now Tanya's sole job up in the Northern part of the County is not having to do invoices, not having to do marketing. It is uh-huh. solely building relationships, connecting people, yeah. and making sure that, that, the small businesses that are up there know that there's a voice for them that they mm-hmm. can get connected with. And sometimes it's Tanya and I's job to then uh, nicely drag people down to Carmel. <laughs> yeah. Show yep. them that, hey, if you come and engage with this part of your county, there are people that are willing to drive up there and experience your shop and the things that you're willing to do. They have yep. disposable income that can do those type of things. And that has been, I think, something that I I was hoping would happen, but has far exceeded my expectations Mm -hmm. is people from the North coming South and people in the South, definitely going North. Yeah. Uh, And it just opens it up. It's fantastic.
0: I've been surprised. So we hosted a couple of, and Tanya talked about this, a couple of events at the Greeks and I'm surprised. And uh, I really love that we're getting real professionals. It's not just um, hang out, you know, people hanging out for the free coffee. It's people that are there to do business and are they're connected and they just, they really want to utilize that resource. So that's been cool to me. Um, it's intentional for sure.
1: And if you look at our last one, what I loved about the last one we did with you guys was you had people from the from Carmel Fishers, Nobles of West Hill, headed north. Mm-hmm. You had our friends from the north that live there, work there. And then you even had elected officials there from yeah. uh, the county and also from Sheridan, right? Local mm-hmm. people. And all of a sudden you're watching them all interact and, and engage with each other and that's yep. why we exist is that your local city councilor and clerk treasurer are interacting with a business in town that maybe they don't interact with every day mm-hmm. or all of a sudden the folks from church church hittle who usually know how to bring an army of people like yeah. hey we're interested like sheridan's a place that we should probably look at like yep. we're growing investment and i think yeah. that's that, just watching the room where you can sit back as the as a president and you're watching people interact and build relationships and grow, that's why we exist. And that's, I think sometimes we, the like bright and shining object, we always want to look at other things. Like, oh, we could do this and we could do that. If we just focus on the mission, our mission at One Zone is helping businesses and communities thrive. Mm-hmm. If everything we do, if there's anything that we do that does not support that, then why do we do it and why does it exist? Yeah, it's pointless. Yeah. Yes, it doesn't make any sense to do it.
0: A little sidebar here. You mentioned church, church, Hiddle and Antrim. Um, I love it when a business. I know they they probably are good donor or members, but I love it when a business truly gets it, and they intentionally show up. I mean, they've always they've had. I think they had five six people there. One of the principals was there at the last meeting, and they're like, "Here, you got to go to these meetings and meet people." And I've always thought that if the business leader, if the owner, the CEO said. To the younger ones go to these meetings and engage i think it really brings it it uh it makes those meetings a lot better because a lot of times it's the owner going to the meeting they know everybody in the room and it's just you know how's your lunch and so this it was cool there was i mean there were attorneys that were two two weeks in you know yeah. and then you got the guy that's been there for 57 years so
1: where there's this perception of that it's a the old guard in the northern part uh-huh. of this, this chamber's ran by old old guard there weren't i mean that was a young group of people uh-huh. that were in, in in greeks that day that were hanging uh-huh. out yes in i don't know it's just it has cool. far exceeded the expectations that i ever thought but i think the reason why it's been successful is because we're still focused on the mission why we yeah. exist in my westfield days to today why we exist as an organization and then don't don't get attracted don't lose your sight on the other stuff just focus because we do that as business owners we do that as in our own lives we do those type of things and if you stick true to your mission and your value it's you can make a successful organization it just works
0: so i got two more questions because as i told you my mom is going to be unhappy that this is this long and so um two more questions Yeah. So number one, I would like examples of how the chamber has been in the room and engaged and involved in fishers type things and Carmel type things. And really, it's specifically like economic development. Um, What is what are you excited or you've helped within fishers? What are you excited specifically and helped within Carmel?
1: Sure. I'll give one example of both. So the first one will be the event center. Um, so the event center was something we worked on for about a year before it was announced. Um, we worked on that around, um, the food and beverage tax. That was really our role was what's to, the event center. Oh, I'm sorry. Fisher's that's where the Indie Fuel's is going. Okay. The event center. Uh, it's 8,500, uh, person event space. Uh, okay. it's going to house a variety of things, but one of the things it's going to house is the Indie fuel. And who's so who's the developer of that, uh, a, um, Aecom, A, okay. or I think it's Hunt, maybe. So anyway, um, but we were in the room with Jim Hallett. Uh, Mayor Fadness uh, invited me. This was two days after my second kid was born, and said, "Hey, we have this idea concept. What do you think?" And we're sitting in the room, and we're 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 looking at this, and they're asking me. Jim Hallett does not have to ask me any questions. <laughs> so he's like, "What do you think?" And and so then really we found out, you know, our found our role was how do we engage the business community around the food and beverage tax. So 1%. And so how do we begin to engage them, be a part of that process? Uh, And we got it through 8-1. And so that was a huge success for us. But that took about a year of our time, uh, 30, 35 letters from business owners saying, yeah, we're supporting this. We're excited. This is how we want to go. And I think we've used that model throughout after that. And then on the side, how,
0: how will you stay involved in that event center over time?
1: Oh, we still are. So, Indy Fuel, uh, Larry McQuerry is on our board of directors as their president, and so I meet with him probably um, every two weeks. I meet with economic development. We, um, it's my neighbor, so I see the beams and the bars going up, and so uh, just getting some updates and questions. But uh, being able to have the knowledge and the things that I need to know, so that when a business asks, like when is it opening and how are we doing these things, and um, if we're delayed or not delayed, and those type of things, that's that's the resource that we can provide for gotcha. them. Okay,
0: so tell us something about a Carmel uh, success. Or we whatever. support a
1: ton of projects, but I think one of the things that people don't realize is the comprehensive plan and sign ordinances sounds really not that exciting. Uh-huh. Uh, one of the things we did with the sign ordinance, I will tell you, is we took about three months to really take it from a planner's verbiage, which can sometimes be a bit much. Uh-huh. and really begin to create a, a sign ordinance that is business friendly, that when you download it, and you look at it, you don't have to try, you don't have to go get a ruler, you don't have to go get a tape measure and say, uh-huh. okay, 25p adjacent from blah, blah. It's, it's, hey, this is where you can put your sign. I mean, that's really what we were trying to get to right outside yep. of, yeah. And so that took three months, but the Very good. The, the business impact of that has been huge. Hey, mm-hmm. I can download this ordinance. And I have, a you know, hey, I have another office in Fishers, and or not Fishers, but Uh, you know, somewhere that it's, it's more complicated because we've done that. That's helpful. And then the, the comprehensive plan Um, there were certain areas of the comprehensive plan that were owned by businesses and they were making it residential. And so businesses were like, some of our businesses that own the land were like, well, I don't want it to be residential. And so we were going to bat with the town council or the town council and the plan commission. I'm saying, look, here's the landowners of these areas. This is really what it should be zoned. This is really what the comprehensive plan should should show. I know that Carmel has many great projects, but I always yeah. share those two in particular because those are things that maybe we don't think about, we don't see, but the impact of them when you need a sign or when we're looking at developments long-term, um, we had a vital role in in making those impacts, and I think that's yeah. huge.
0: But listening to the community, for the sign thing, for yeah. instance, uh, working in several different communities, some... They think they have it figured out and so they don't respond to your questions. But to actually have it, things like little things like that, um, I think that does add value. And so um, I appreciate that. Okay, Jack, so um, we're getting ready to wrap up here. I would like to know how businesses and community members can get involved in One Zone Chamber.
1: Sure. So the first thing you can do is you can go to onezonechamber.com. You can check out all the things we have going on. Um, Like I said, we do over 80 events a year. So if there's an event that you'd be interested in attending, you're welcome to be a guest of ours. Um, But more importantly, call our office, call our team. Um, They plan, just schedule a coffee, schedule a lunch or something like that with our team or myself. And we're happy to sit down with you because at the end of the day, the conversation we're having around coffee and breakfast and lunch isn't around, hey, do you want to be a 365 or a $600 member? It is, hey, what's going on in your business? What are your needs? What are your wants? And where can One Zone solve those problems okay. um, or at least be a connector and convener to those problems? And I think at the end of the day, if you treat and have communication like that, um, sky's the limit. So OneZoneChamber.com, they're welcome to give us a call as well, 317-436-4653. Uh, and they can give us a call with that. But more importantly, thank you, Kurt, for um, letting me be on the show. And thank you, that's fun. I don't too much about One Zone, so thank. You.
0: That was awesome. All right, thanks, Jack. I appreciate your help. Thank you.
1: Be sure to subscribe, like, and follow.